This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. And welcome in to a post-game edition of 5th Avenue Faceoff. Just a few moments ago, the Pens fell to the Detroit Red Wings in Detroit. 6-3, the final, a couple of empty netters make it sound like it was more lopsided than it really was. Although the Red Wings had the Penguins on their heels for a while, despite the fact that the numbers would tell you that this game was more or less handled by the Penguins. We'll get into all of this. We'll talk about uh, something that happened, a couple of things that happened very early in this game. One that made you think, oh boy, here we go. And another one that made you think, oh boy. Here we go. Uh, As well as one goaltender outplaying the other. And perhaps some questions already about those forward depth lines that were supposed to be retooled in the offseason and whether the retooling, I'll retool you, Christmas vacation reference, friends, uh, is working or not. Hi, I am Chris Mack. You can see me if you're watching the latest episode of Fifth Avenue Faceoff on 93.7 The Fan's YouTube page. Uh, and you can just tap a little notification bell right down that away, I believe it is. I'm pointing in that direction on the screen uh, to be notified every time there's a new video up at the 93.7 The Fan channel on YouTube, including full episodes of Fifth Avenue Faceoff. If you prefer the audio-only version, although, I mean, you can't get a good gander at this handsome fella. No, seriously, if you prefer the audio-only version. Go inside your Odyssey app, where you may be listening to 93.7 The Fan already, as as well as all your favorite podcasts. Add Fifth Avenue Faceoff to the list, as well as Fourth Down in the Steel City and everything else we've got going on. But Fifth Avenue Faceoff will have you covered for the Pens a couple times a week, in particular uh, weeknight post games. Yep, just like this one. A Wednesday night in Detroit. You want to make sure you are following or subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, even if it's not in that Odyssey app. Make sure you're subscribed, downloading, and listening to the latest episodes. I certainly appreciate it. Producer Greg certainly appreciates it. Everyone at Odyssey certainly appreciates it uh, that you're hanging with me for just a few more, a few minutes here, pardon me, while we break down that 6-3 loss to the Red Wings. And let's start with some a couple of early items that made you think this thing may be going one way or another, right? Uh, early on, you get the continued chemistry of Evgeny Malkin and Riley Smith bubbling to the surface. Bang, they score right away. And, I mean, if you were like me, you thought, oh, here we go. It's it's really going to materialize, isn't it? We're really going to see Evgeny Malkin 
take all the, the pent-up anger and hurt and resentment from not being mentioned in that ESPN.com uh, top 100 players list and turn it up, ratchet it up into what may be one of those truly amazing Geno-style games. It happened quick, just 53 seconds into the game. And at that point, yeah, you're like, here we go. It's time for the Geno show. Don't want to have an angry Malkin. Unless it's a drink, which by the way, I don't remember all the ingredients that went into it. But my old friend, Scott Paulson, you may remember him from the DVE morning show back in the day. Um, he, uh, alongside Eddie Crow, another old dear friend and colleague of mine who also worked for the DVE morning show, but I worked with both gentlemen at 1250 ESPN way back in the day. Uh, old geezer radio story time, kids. Anyway, they came up with a drink. I believe it was during the 2010 play uh, regular season, 2009, 2010 regular season. Uh, the year they were defending the cup, they had won from the Red Wings. The year that ended uh, with, I believe, a Sid concussion, of course, the Winter Classic. And then uh, we, we had uh, Gino's ACL. But leading up to that, the regular season was going just fine, kids, believe it or not. Um, and they came up with a drink called the Angry Malkin. It was a lot like a Bloody Mary, I believe I remember, but spicier. Anyway, an Angry Malkin gets him started. His third goal of the season, pens are on top, and you're feeling good. But then something weird happened. Glim Coaston takes uh, a, a penalty for Detroit halfway through the first period. And now we're licking our chops, right? Because the pens have carried the play for the most part. They just been, haven't been able to put another one behind the goaltender. And Ville Husso played out of his mind tonight. We'll get to that in a couple of minutes. But the Penguins get a power play opportunity. And I'll be honest, that first power play opportunity of the night, not much cooking. Not much cooking. Uh, a couple of shots that didn't get through. No real serious action at the front of the net. A little too pass-happy, probably. They could have ripped another one-timer or two on that first power play, but they didn't, and they don't score. And I saw it mentioned by a couple of people online, but I want to give credit to the person who I saw mention it first, Adam Gretz, um, who has written about hockey for years, and the Penguins specifically, four years. You can find him on Twitter. Uh, he's a very good Penguins follow, so I highly recommend Adam, at A Gretz, G-R-E-T-Z. Anyway, he made a good point. He said, I'm not saying this is the reason the game has gone this way. And this is later, once Detroit took over. I'm not saying this is the reason the game has gone this way, Adam tweets. But the Pens had a 1-0 lead with a power play and a chance to jump out to a two-goal lead, but didn't even come close to scoring on that power play and have gotten the absolute crap kicked out of them ever since. Just not even competitive. And he's right. It felt like after that power play was killed off, the Red Wings took control. So the first 10 minutes or so, Penguins control the game. They get the power play. They don't really produce any offense on it or any noticeable threatening offense of any kind. And from there, all the way through the end of the second period, really, Detroit controlled play. And they controlled play more or less by simply keeping things simple. 
Uh, and the Penguins, well, they didn't keep things simple the entire time, and it led to opportunities going back the other way. In some cases, opportunities that Tristan Jari was not able to stop. And that's the second point here. I'm going to circle back around to what Adam had to say and what several other people had to say. But again, I'm giving Adam credit here because I saw him verbalize it in the best, most crystallized way possible first on social media here this evening. Um, I want to circle back around to that point in just a couple of minutes. But first, I, I want to touch on the goaltending because I mentioned Ville Husso, who played out of his mind, I thought. Just a, a fantastic game. Um, two of the goals scored by the Penguins tonight, I thought were absolutely impossible to stop. Just a snipe from Eric Carlson and then another beauty of a redirect from Brian Rust, who I'm thinking if there were, I would never accuse a professional athlete of using performance-enhancing substances, but if there were something you could take that would only affect your hand-eye coordination in a positive fashion and not turn you into a big, roided-up, muscle-headed freak, um, you could convince me that Brian Rust took it this offseason because that's at least the second, unless there's another one I'm forgetting, uh, of two just remarkable uh, deflections he's had in the first four games this season. Um, but here's the here's the catch. Other than the penalty shot save by Tristan Jari, which was huge at that point in time, because I'll argue that was the impetus for swinging momentum back in the Penguins' direction. Um, Penguins were on another power play later in the game. Riley Smith tries dancing three guys just inside the offensive blue line, has his pocket picked, goes back the other way. Chris Letang does his damnedest to get back, hooks the player with the puck, and before you know it, yep, we've got a penalty shot. Andrew Kopp, his second in two games, I think, for the Red Wings. Uh, he did. It didn't materialize. Uh, he didn't score on it. Again, a big save by Jari in that moment, but that's it as far as saves that Jari made tonight. That you go, oh man, that's huge. We needed that. Again, this has been the story of Tristan Jari since the very beginning. When the team plays well in front of him, he makes, his numbers are ridiculous because he makes all the saves, most of the saves he's supposed to make, right? And the ones that he's not supposed to make, he usually doesn't. And therein lies the rub of the 19... Hold on. Let me do quick math here. Of the 23 saves Tristan Jari made tonight, other than the penalty shot, I don't know if any of them left me going, thank God he made that one. I didn't think he had that one, and we needed it. Meanwhile, UC Soros was down the other end of the, the ice, UC Soros. Ville Husso, sorry, me and Finnish goaltenders. They just, uh, they're all, always on the brain. Ville Husso on the other end of the ice is making save after save that has you going, oh, come on. I can't even remember this guy's name. I thought he was UC Soros. He's not. He's Ville Husso. No, seriously. He's making saves that have you going, come on, man. We can't buy one tonight. And nothing crazy sprawling, you know, pads in the air or anything like that. 
but just saves on the kind of shots that you're used to seeing turn into goals. And they didn't because Huso played exceptionally well tonight. He outplayed Tristan Jari because Vile Huso not only made the saves that he was supposed to make, Vile Huso also made some saves that maybe ordinarily you wouldn't expect him to make. And therefore, he outplayed Tristan Jari. I don't want to make this all about the goaltenders, though. I want to be real clear about that because the first couple of Detroit goals, I got a hard, hard time putting all on Tristan Jari. And let me explain why. The first one by Debrinkat. Um, really nice job by Austin Zarnick coming down the left wing and dodging what I think was a hip check attempt by Chad Ruedel. Here's the thing. Chad Ruedel, when he's a seventh defenseman who plays 20 games a year and like eight of them come in the same month because somebody's hurt and you're really careful and you only give them like eight minutes of ice or something like that. Um, okay, maybe not that few. Maybe like 10, 12 minutes of ice time um, is serviceable. But Chad Ruedel is not the guy I want trying to make that play. Uh, and it didn't work. And it wasn't all his fault. I, they were talking about him on the Turner broadcast on TNT. Like he had done the right. I, I think he had done the right thing. I don't think he did. Um, I think he overextended himself there. I think he's got to have better gap control. I think he's got to continue to stay with the man with the puck and in an attempt to take the play wide rather than cutting him off at that point in the zone. It just didn't make sense for me, him attacking the play at that point. And it led to him going down, Zarnik finding to Brinkat, and bang, there you go. That's one goal. Next goal, um, Ben Sherratt. And I believe this is the one where there was traffic in front and just nobody working. Ruido in this case was on the ice. Nobody working to keep that traffic from in front of Tristan Jari. And then he had the same thing on the third goal, which is the Andrew Kopp goal in the second period, where I believe it was Latang and maybe POJ on the ice at the same time. POJ's kind of floating out there, not really marking anybody. Latang's supposed to be marking the man in front of the net and really doesn't have him. There was just a lot of poor play immediately in front of Tristan Jari tonight. And again, I don't want to put it all on the goaltending. I don't even want to put it all on the defenseman playing in front of the goaltender because I think it's a little bit of both. They kind of, you know, work hand in hand. But they, that third pairing, can we do something about that? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ruido only ended up playing nine minutes tonight. Um, 
And speaking of guys who didn't play a lot, guy with the least amount of ice time tonight for the Penguins, Jansen Harkins, eight minutes and 47 seconds. Um, Jansen Harkins is a problem. They got to figure that out. Jansen Harkins may be a nice guy. I don't know. Haven't talked to him. Uh, but Jansen Harkins, from what I can tell, is not the answer to helping Drew O'Connor and Lars Eller. He's just not. Um, that trio in particular uh, was sub, sub-zero sub on both Corsi and Fenwick. Uh, shots for, they had one zero against. So maybe it wasn't resulting. The ice tilted in, uh, away from them in a lot of shots, but it was generating a few chances against them. And those three only played together for about five minutes because that's all Harkins got at even strength. And there was a move toward playing Matt Nieto with O'Connor and Eller, and that was much, much, much better. Only four minutes of ice time together for those three, but they looked much better than O'Connor, Eller, and Harkins did. Now, you take Nieto off the Achari-Carter line, uh, and you run into some issues as well. These depth lines, uh, they've got to start producing some offense. Uh, I talked about this earlier in the week, and as well as with our friends at Locked On Penguins. Uh, Patrick Damp and Hunter Hodes, they had me on as a guest the other day, asked what I thought about these depth lines. Um, I said, hey, let, let's give it time. You know, they're playing 50-50 hockey at even strength. They hadn't given up any goals, or, or at least they weren't. Even though they were getting beaten in time of possession, you know, these are lines that start in their own zone a lot. Um, they, they weren't getting at least as far as I thought, just eye test-wise, dominated. Um, but tonight was, was not good against the Red Wings. Uh, they got to figure something out. Redeem Zahorna should have been on this roster and in this lineup at the NHL level from day one. I'm not sure what Mike Sullivan has against Big Z, um, but now's the time. I know we're only four games in. You don't want to go pulling plugs on people yet, but I've seen enough of Jansen Harkins. Get me somebody out there on the fourth line with the Chari and Carter who can both skate and use his size. Really turn that into the kind of line that can get under people's skin and give me O'Connor, Eller, and Nieto. That's another one that just pesky. That's, that's the key word for that pesky. Oh my God. Why are these guys coming back on us again? We dumped it in. We pinned it back in the corner. We tried to start a cycle. My God, they, they got the puck away from us and, and broke it out anyway. That's exactly what O'Connor, Eller, and Nieto. Achari Carter with some big Z in the mix would be, my God, how do we, we keep getting the puck in the zone, but we cannot get anything towards the net for the life of us. That's what that line could be. You're not getting that with Jansen Harkins on the ice. So the depth lines still need to improve as well. And the third defensive pairing, Chad Ruedel cannot, if Chad Ruedel plays more than 50 games for this team this year, we're in a bad spot. Sorry, again, nice man, good in spots, but not the kind of guy I want getting overextended with blue line time for the Pittsburgh Penguins. All of this comes back around to 
Oh, you know who I do want, by the way, before I bring it back around and put a button on this thing. You know who can have all the ice time in the world? Eric Carlson. Man, uh, Wednesday night in Detroit was one of the nights where you go, oh, that's why we wanted him so desperately. He carried this team in the third period. He damn near single-handedly authored a comeback from a team that was snoozing its way through the previous 30 minutes of hockey. He brought them back to life. That, that right there, that third period in Detroit Wednesday night is why you go out and get an Eric Carlson. That's pretty, I mean, some of the stuff he's, the skating, the passing, the shooting, the release. My God. Um, Anyway, you, you can give him as much ice time as you want. And they gave him plenty. Carlson, 28 minutes of ice time. Wow. 28 minutes. Man. And over uh, 27.56. But over 24 minutes of that was at even strength. Three minutes of power play time. I mean, get him out there. Uh, and, and in moments, he was out there with Latang in the third period. Do that, man. You're, you're down multiple goals in the third period, and you feel like your boys are starting to buzz. That sounds kind of dirty. Sorry. You feel like your boys are starting to buzz? Get them out there together. Like back in the day when you used to throw the two-headed monster out there together, right? Crosby and Malkin on the same line. Do that with your top defensive pairing when you feel like you got a chance to get the snowball rolling downhill. And they had the snowball rolling downhill for just a second, and then it fell apart in the third period. And the only, I shouldn't say the only, because I just outlined a number of problems I had with the Penguins tonight. 0 for 3 on the power play is not good. As good as they looked at times on the power play. Uh, Carlson, third star, by the way, tonight, uh, because of how well he played. And he did a goal and two assists. He was far and away the best Penguin on the ice, the best player on the ice, to be quite honest. Um, the biggest problem I have with this team in the loss to the Red Wings, and by the way, I'm just glancing up at it as as it replays while I'm talking to you here, and that was definitely offsides on the first empty net goal. I just, they couldn't get a good look at it. Um, here nor there. I don't think that necessarily saves the day, even if they get that call. But back to my original point, which is, um, a bit of a rebuttal to, to the thought that not scoring on the first power play is what sank this team in Detroit on Wednesday night. If your team, if your guys are so mentally and emotionally fragile that not scoring on your first power play or not generating any offense on your first power play of the night creates this massive emotional letdown that sucks every ounce of emotion and momentum out of your bench. You got problems, big problems. Like I understand it being a letdown for a moment or two, a couple shifts, but what, what 
if your power play not generating offense is enough to sink the entire emotional level of your team for the next 30 minutes of game time, who's what's going on? Somebody's got to pick it up. And so that's frustrating to me. That belief, I guess you could call it, that if only they generate a little more offense on that power play, right? Then maybe, just maybe, they're able to do something, right? They're able to, well, they're they're able to not get dominated for the next 30 minutes. Maybe the problem was with who they sent out there after that power play. In fact, if you look at it, and I'm just glancing at it real quick here, looking at the shift chart, because I didn't notice it at the time. Um, who'd they send out there? A weird amalgamation of guys. Brian Rust, Riley Smith, and Jansen Harkins. It all comes back to Jansen Harkins. Why is that your group you send out after a downer of a power play? A power play where you don't really generate any energy or chances or do much of all but but tic-tac-toe the puck around and get a few shots blocked. That's when you send out your your Eller, your Achari, your Nieto, your O'Connor. That's when you send those guys out to try and generate some energy for you, right? Jansen Harkins? Between Rust and Smith? I love the way Brian Rust has played to this point this year, as well as Riley Smith, for that matter. Don't get me wrong. What do we... The Penguins went out. Kyle Dubas went out. And this is what I'm going to leave tonight's episode on, because I think it's something to, to, to really ruminate on as you start to consider uh, two points that should have been... Ha- like, I, I told you about the 11 games to start the season where they've got to get at least 12, if not 14 points for you to feel like they're putting themselves in a better position than they did last year. Uh, Something you need to think about when you think about whether they're actually going to be able to do that or not. Uh, Between now and another game they should win on Saturday night against the Blues in St. Louis is this. If you go out and completely revamp the bottom half of your roster and load up on guys like Eller and Achari and Nieto and bring back Zahorna, and there are other names I'm forgetting, Colin White. You go out and get these guys. If you wait too long to break glass in case of emergency, and I'm not saying we're anywhere near a panic button yet. No, not after the way they played last weekend. Certainly not. But I think in the case of some spots in those bottom two forward lines, you're nearing the point where you break glass in case of emergency. It's not even that, really. You just, nobody needs to break glass or pull a fire alarm. I just got to find a fire extinguisher that works. We got a bunch of fire extinguishers. We went out and bought a ton of them because the house burnt to the ground last year, right? So we went out and we bought a bunch of fire extinguishers. We practiced that uh, fire safety plan that they send the kids home from school with on the first week of school. We got more smoke alarms in this place and we know what to do with. We stocked up on 9-volt batteries to make sure none of them ever go dead, right? We are prepared after burning the house to the ground last year. And now we're we're not going to be anxious or quick 
to make sure we find a, a, a fire extinguisher that actually works. This this fire extinguisher here, this one that says Jansen Harkins on the side, that one's not working. It, it's jammed or something. Throw it out. Go get, we've got this stack of fire extinguishers over here. Go grab the big, the big daddy, the one that says Zahorna on the side. Let's try that one. And if that doesn't work, then you throw it back in the pile and you grab another one and you grab another one and you grab another one until at the very least, the third or fourth line scores a goal. Is that asking too much? So look, I know we're going to talk a lot about the early power play failure being an emotional letdown. Valid point. I know we're going to talk, at least I'm going to talk about how they once again played soft in front of Tristan Jari early on. They did. I know it's worth talking about that once again, Tristan Jari got outplayed by the opposing goaltender, which he did by Vili Husso. And all of those things, you could bring up the, the replay challenge. You could bring up a million different things from Wednesday night's loss in Detroit. In my opinion, what this is all going to start to come back to is, did you really go out and get the right guys for the third and fourth lines? What was your Achilles heel last year? And if so, are you using them? I'll draw a very quick parallel. If you're also a Steelers fan to what they're going through right now, where they've got problems on the offensive line and problems in their defensive secondary. They've got problems up front on the defensive line as well. Okay. You could argue they've got problems in all of those places. You could argue they've got a, a little less of a problem uh, at tight end because, well, their first guy is healthy again, but he can't block for crap. Um, and this offensive line is bad, right? So hang with me. I know you're not a football fan, some of you. You're a hockey fan, and you sure as hell didn't come here to hear somebody talk about the Steelers. You'd go to the Steelers podcast if you wanted that, some of you. But they're sitting around waiting. They're not plugging in any of their young guys that they went out and got and drafted. Broderick Jones, Joey Porter Jr., Keanu Benton, Darnell Washington. They're not using them the way they should. And it's a very easy parallel to draw to the Pittsburgh Penguins, who if they wait too long to start using some of the guys that we saw produce in preseason, some of the guys they they brought back or kept in the fold or went out and got, Colin White, Valtteri Pustin, and Redeem Zahorna, if they wait too long to start using these guys, it won't matter because too many points that could have been won will have been frittered away. And then you'll, you'll be working uphill again. So again, Saturday night, they're in St. Louis against the Blues. No post-game podcast for that one because it's a Saturday night. And I'll probably have a couple sips of something in me. No, that's not true. I have to take my daughter and half of her softball team to a haunted hayride. So I'll have zero sips of anything in me other than water. Hmm. But point remains that next week, we will be back with more episodes of Fifth Avenue Faceoff. In fact, a special guest on Monday to preview the Dallas Stars, Gavin Spittle of the Spits and Suds podcast. And maybe we'll dial up old Evan Rawall as well uh, to talk about the Avalanche who come to Pittsburgh next week. But we will have uh, post-game episodes for those games as well. Uh, as we continue to hopefully pile up some points here, right? Pile up the points in the first 10, 11 games of the season, like I mentioned a couple times so far, so that this team is not fighting uphill 
late in the year, especially through most of that November schedule, which is not who there's a, Ooh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm glancing down at it again. And it's making me make noises. Ah, yeah, there's a 10 game stretch there in November uh, that eight or nine of them are just ah, disturbing noises. I'm sorry, but disturbing schedule. That's why they've got to stack up the points. Now, make sure you follow or subscribe Fifth Avenue Faceoff wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again to Greg Finley for producing. I am Chris Mack. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening. Please interact, comment, feedback. We love it. And join us again for the next episode of Fifth Avenue Faceoff.